the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Luke tells us that there is rejoicing in heaven at the repentance of a single sinner. And that pretty much is where we find ourselves today as we continue our look at Psalm 103, verses 1 through 22, the celebration of grace and the forgiveness of sins. And that is the focus. Won't you join us as we are encouraged to understand just how kind, loving, and gracious our Heavenly Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ. For all of the amazing details, let's catch up with Pastor Jessica Stan and today's broadcast of Way of Grace. I'm a slave of Jehovah. I'm a slave of Christ. I'm bought lock, stock, and barrel. He owns me because he redeemed me by his power and by his purchase. Am I making sense? You got to get it. This, what I'm sharing with you, is called gospel preaching. Why? Because it's talking about God. It's talking about Christ and not us. Are you hearing? Point number B, point number B, the character of God revealed. Look at verse 8 9. Verse 8 9 plainly tells us in our text, the Lord is what? Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy, right? Now, what are we doing now? David is recalling how that God had revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 34, verse 5 and 6. Pull it up again. We are right back at that epic account where God has to remind Moses, who has made the leader to bring Israel out, watch this now, that even though he has slain thousands of people because of worship at the golden calf, here's God's character. And you really want to get this, child of God, and you don't want to distort this. Don't do like a lot of religious folk do. Make God a God of all love. That's what liberals do. Now watch this. And don't, I'm sorry, that's what hyper-conservatives, nope, that's what liberals do. Hyper-conservatives will make God a God of all wrath. You're real legalistic people who never ever really experienced grace and called themselves stewards of God's word spend more time weighing on your conscience what you're doing wrong than what Christ did right for you. Listen to me. So you can call yourself a Christian, but you can actually be a legal Christian. And all you're doing is exposing sin and condemning bad conduct instead of showing men and women the sufficiency of God in Christ and the grace that's needed to get them out of their sin. And while as yet we are not doing that, we are miserable, anti-gospel people. What Moses had to learn is, yes, God will punish sin, 
but God is also merciful by what? Nature. Is he not? Now, when you are persuaded that your God, the one who already purchased you by power, is merciful by nature, you won't ever worry about God destroying you again. When you know, when you know what Moses knew, because God had hit him in a rock, remember? And God caused his glory to pass by Moses, remember? And I told you when the Lord descended down that that was the second person, not the first person. Who is the second person descending? His name is Jesus. Christ is the only one that comes down. And he comes down to preach the gospel to Moses. And the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed. The word means to preach the name of the Lord. Here's another reason why you don't want to get caught up in the superficial nomenclature of a name being like a proper title. Because what he's about to show you now are the qualities of God, which really constitutes God's reputation, his character, and his identity. And, and what I'm trying to help us to overcome is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, like somehow Jesus is an incantation, a name to kind of ward off devils and demons. Be very careful. The name of the Lord is about to be revealed, and in this context, it's not going to be the proper title, Jesus. It's going to be his attributes, his character, his identity, his ways. Stay with me. When you know somebody, you know more than their proper name. You know them by how they act and why they act. You know their motive. You know their attributes. You know their character. That's what Moses did not know about God. He said, God, what I just found out about you is you don't play with sin. You'll kill people. What I need to know is now, do I know enough about you that I can trust you to get me and the rest of these knuckleheads into the promised land? And God said, let me show you something about who I am. And we are in the middle of the message, and I want you to get this point. I want you to get this. What God does for Moses is shows Moses what we got to get. Verse 6 and 7, watch this. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering. Isn't that exactly what the psalmist said? So David knew this same God that Moses knew. Did David know that God was long-suffering? Did David know from experience that God was gracious? Didn't David know from experience that God has compassion? And while God's forgiveness is absolute and certain, it's not automatic. Whoa. Did David know that? And so what you and I are seeing is that when we preach God and teach God, we want to teach his attributes and characteristics accurately. One more verse. Verse 7. Look at this. Does God keep mercy for thousands? Does he forgive iniquity and transgression and sin? But will he by no means clear the guilty? Oh, you have now attention, don't you? Because we're guilty by nature. So how can God forgive us? Key, Jesus. Am I making some sense? Without Christ, there is no reconciling the mercy of God and the justice of God. Sin has to be punished because God is holy. And if I'm going to have God's mercy, it's only going to be vicarious. God's going to have to give it to me through Jesus not apart from Christ. 
And this is what's revealed, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of their fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Now, has God shown himself that way in the Bible? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is what we want to learn under this third point. The exposition of God's work historically points A, B, and C. Let's work these through quickly. We have already acknowledged the power and purchase of his people, right? We are now looking at what? The character of God revealed. And we have seen that God reveals himself to us in Christ. Is that right? We cannot know the Father apart from the Son. Christ is the revelation of the invisible God. Nothing can be known apart from Christ about God. Did y'all get that? Settle that. God is not known. God is not known by men. God is invisible incomprehensible, out of the reach of our puny minds to comprehend him unless the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, reveals him. No man has seen God at any time. Only he who is in the bosom of the Father, he is the one that exegetes God. This is why we radically love Christ. Because no saving knowledge of God is had apart from Christ. If you say, I know the Father, but you don't know the Son, you don't know the Father. Are you hearing me? And it takes the work of the third person to show you Jesus. And I'm praying it's happening today. Are you praying? Are you praying that somebody today that thought they knew God but did not know God, is coming to know God today through Christ. That's why we preach him. And what the psalmist is doing here in his exposition historically of his work is commemorating God's fatherly faithfulness. Look at verse 10. I love verse 10. Here it is. You can get happy now. Watch this. I'm going to start at verse uh, 9 and 10. He will not always what? Neither will he keep his what? Ladies and gentlemen, you, 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 you're smart enough to know that when it says he will not always chide, it means he does chide with you. Raise your hand if you got that. It means God will argue with you. It means God will debate with you. It means he will referee you. Remember what it was said in the days of Noah? My spirit will not always strive with men. Does God strive with us? Yes, he does. Does he do it by his spirit? Yes, he does. Does he do it in providence? Yes, he does. Will he do it through the saints? Yes, he will. When we're out of the way, when God loves us, he will employ all sorts of means to get our attention. Will he do it? Hold on with me now, because I have to show you something about God that I think you may have overlooked. Culture will do that with you. Culture will have you putting on a lens of presumption when you read your Bible. Culture will have you seeing things in your Bible that's not there and not seeing things in your Bible that's there. When you go into your Bible under the conditions of culture, you will miss that when God chides his people, it can be a very serious chiding for decades upon decades upon decades even hundreds of years. Here's a language I want you to get. Because God had loved Israel with an everlasting love. Had he not? 
But there were many in Israel for which the language in Exodus 34 applied. God did not forgive their iniquities, right? God destroyed them to the third and fourth generation. Is that true? We know how to reconcile that. We know how to reconcile that. Rebellion will lead to death. But there will be some who will find in God's harsh chastisement or harsh judgments God's mercy. I want you to see one portion of Scripture in the Old Testament that will help you with this. It's in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33. I want you to see it in Ezekiel, chapter 33. Ezekiel, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 20. Ezekiel 20, verse 33. I want to read verses 33 through 36, and I want to show you how a holy God deals with really hard-headed saints. Now, what I just stated is an oxymoron because the saint ain't supposed to be hard-headed. But God knows how to take a hard head and make a soft. That's what I learned long ago. That's what I learned long ago. I learned long ago to stop getting whoopings. I don't know about you, but because after a while, it went here to here, and I got it. Did you? Did you get it? Now watch what God says about Israel in Ezekiel 20, verse 33. As I live, that's a swear term, a covenant term, saith the Lord God. Surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out will I rule over you. He's not talking to Babylon. He's not talking to Medo-Persia. He's not talking to Assyria. He's talking to his own people. I want you to see what daddy says. With an omnipotent hand, I'm going to rule over you. I'm daddy. Did y'all get that? I'm daddy. See, in our present culture, our present God-hating culture, it doesn't love fathers or mothers. It would have children to be born out of wedlock and go to hell in a handbasket by telling mom and dad, don't discipline your children. But I'm here to tell you, God disciplines his children. Even to disciplining his only begotten son, who was chastised for our iniquities. He was bruised, uh, bruised, if you will, for our trespasses. God disciplined his son to save us. Did he not? Listen to the language. As I live, saith the Lord, surely with a mighty hand stretched out arm will I with fury pour out, and I will rule over you. Verse 34. Here it is. And I will bring you out from the people. You, when God chooses to get a hold of you, you coming. You coming. And I will bring you out from the people. I will bring you out from the people. And I will gather you out of all the countries wherein I've scattered you with a what kind of hand? Mighty hand. What, what kind of arm? Stretched out. And with fury. That's the God of the Bible that the unregenerate hate. I love that God. Why? See, I can put a frame around that picture. You know what that frame is? Covenant loyalty to me. God will tear the world up to save his people. He will tear it up to save his people. He'll tear it up to save his people. Look at verse 35. Here it is. Here it is. I will bring you into the wilderness of the people. Pastor, help me. I'm glad you asked. When God's dealing with you, one of the things he will do is separate you from your allegiance to your companions so that even though you are among them, 
there's a real isolation that takes place because God's starting to break you from your confidence in your social groups. What God does is bring you into the wilderness of the people. A wilderness is a solitary place. Now you're around all these people, but you're in a bubble. Why? Because God's separating you from them and starting to deal with you. And you know it. You know God is dealing with you. And now all of a sudden, everybody around you is sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher. And here's what you're doing. Here's what you're doing. You're going, hmm, this is weird. They're all speaking in tongues and ain't nobody giving an interpretation. You know what they're doing? You know what God's doing? He's isolating you to get your attention. And you can't hide. He's going to find you. I will bring you into the wilderness of the people, and there I will plead with you face to face. I know what that's like. I know what that's like, running from God, God hunting me down, stopping me in my tracks, isolating me to himself, and beginning to talk to me, and I realized there was nowhere to go. I had to hear God. I had to hear God. Verse 36, what does, call this, what does God call this? He says, like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, said the Lord God. Verse 37, I will cause you to pass under the rod. You know the language he's using? The language of a shepherd. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What does the shepherd do? He counts all of his sheep one by one, and he doesn't miss any because the good shepherd loves his sheep. Now, in order to get your attention, he's going to bop you upside your head. It's a rod of mercy, and it's a rod of election, and it's a rod that God uses to keep you. I will bring you under the rod. I'm under God's rod. Are you under God's rod? I will bring you under the rod. I will discipline you when I will let other people go. I will speak and chastise you when I will let other people do whatever they want to. You don't get to do what you want to. You've been called by my name. You're my child. You don't get to do what you want to. Am I making some sense? Here it is. And I will bring you into the bond, the bond, the bond of the covenant. You know what that means? Watch this now. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Another they will not follow. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hands. My father is greater than I. I and my father are one. Thus they will never ever be plucked out of anybody's hands. Devil's hands. Men's hands. Because the father and the son brings us into the bond. The bond. The bond. The bond. The bond. The bond. I love you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness, with the cords of a man. See, when God gets you, you got. That's a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt. So how you doing? I'm God. God got me. I want to close with my last point for time's sake. 
pick this up and develop this more fully next time. I think you guys got the message. What's being underscored? Nope, this is what I'm going to do. Stay with me at verse 11 and 12. Having dealt with the uh, admonition that God renders, he will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger. Verse 10 says, he has not dealt with us after our what? He has not rewarded us according to our what? Ladies and gentlemen, will you hear what just occurred here? David showed us something that I know that we have a hard time with. We have a hard time interpreting God's acts in our life. And here's the mistake that people will make. They will make the mistake of interpreting God's firm judgments in our life as him punishing us for our sin. Israel did it over and over and over and over again. You know what David says? God has never, ever dealt with us according to our sins. That's a revelation. That is a revelation. When you know that whatever God is doing in disciplining you, it's not punishing you for your sins. God has never, ever dealt with you or me according to our sin. For had he dealt with one sin, you would be in hell. You would be in hell. If God dealt with one of your sins, the wages of sin is death. And what God is talking about is hell. He ain't never, I know that's bad language, but it feels good. He ain't never dealt with us according to our sin. God's been so good to you, so good to me, so good to us. He has never, ever even begun to deal with us according The man that's talking is King David. The man that's talking is King David. And God took his son away and allowed his house to be tore up. And you know what David says? He still did not deal with me according to my sin. You know what we're commemorating? God's fatherly faithfulness to his people. You know what God's going to do when he saves you? He's going to confirm you, conform you to Christ. He's going to conform you to Christ. You got that? That's all this is. Now you can choose. I'm going to save the seven blessings to Wednesday Bible study, some Wednesday summer Bible study. That'll happen in July around the 19th, so you can come if you want that study. That's the exhortation opening up the text. But I think you understand the point now. Listen. God will use your rebellion. God will deal with you according to your sins. God can handle all of your obstinate behavior. God saw it before he made you. God saw all of our deviant, twisted, doubtful, wicked devices. Do you know he knows our thoughts are far? God has never, ever been caught by surprise ever. And God never reacts. You and I react. You kick me, I'm about to punch you. I'm reacting. God never reacts. He always responds. He saw the pinnacle of his creation stick their fist in God's face and say, go to hell, I'm eating the fruit. Remember that? And all God did in his mercy is hunt them down 
when they ran from him. And when he hunted them down, he made them confess. Then he covered their sins with coats of skin. He slew the first bullock. He shed the first blood. He covered their naked souls and told them, I have forgiven you. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Do you know why? Forgiveness of sins is the framework for vital fellowship with God. And God is interested in fellowship with you more than you are with Him. And you only know that when you read your Bibles with eyes of faith. Amen. Such a wonderful time here in God's Word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m. Sunday schools at 10. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m. for this Bible study. You're invited to either one. We're located at 20450 Royal Avenue. That's here in Hayward. And the zip code is 94541. You can also get directions at our website, grace-bible.com. Again, that's grace-bible.com. Or simply call for directions, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510 886 9782, or stop by our website, grace-bible.com. We do thank you for spending time with us today. Trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.